Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. One year, I know lots of you are, well done. Sometimes do you feel like you're just reading about the same thing over and over again? It's like the children of Israel are forgetting that God has been so good to them, everything he's done, and they're complaining to Moses and Joshua again, and it's just going over and over in their minds. They're forgetting all the good things that he did, that he saved them, that he's, he got them out of, the, um, out of Egypt, that he saved them, crossing the Red Sea, that he keeps providing food for them, and they're complaining like, oh... Everything within you cries out, just stop it, guys. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. You can trust him. You know that. He keeps doing this. And they're complaining again and again. And then they get into the promised land and they're living there. And it says that they forgot their God. And it says in Judges, whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors following other gods and serving and worshipping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. For the judges, they followed God. Everything went well. Then they forgot him and turned away. And everything was bad. So then they came back and everything went well. (laughs) And it just keeps on going there. God forgave them and it went well again. And then we get into Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. And we read the king obeyed God, destroyed the high places and idols, and there was peace in the land. And then this king disobeyed God and built high places and worshipped idols. And it's the same story. Think. I'm just reading this over and over again. Are these people never going to learn what is going on with them? But then I also find myself complaining and going, oh, God, this is you haven't answered this prayer. What's going on here? I haven't got breakthrough in this area. And, oh, you know, I'm not really wandering around the desert for 40 years with the same clothes and sandals eating the same food every day. But, like, the internet is so slow and there's nothing on Netflix to watch and I'm oh, wait a minute, how am I different than other people? Not learning the, my lesson and whinging and complaining or not just frustrated that I'm not seeing God in the breakthrough. And then we hit the New Testament. And as you probably know, we've been studying Colossians. And then you're reading other parts of your Bible and you're like, oh, that actually sounds like the same things Paul is saying to the Colossians. He's saying to all these other churches. It's like same, same, different. They've all got similar things and similar battles that they're going through. And this, we read in Colossians, they were doing the same thing, following rules and trying to add to what Jesus had done for them on the cross. So we read in Colossians 2, this is the message version. So don't put up with anyone pressuring you in details of diet, worship services or holy days. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. Don't tolerate people who try, sorry, who try to run your life, ordering you to bow and scrape, insisting that you join their obsession with angels and that you seek out visions. They're a lot of hot air. That's all they are. They're completely out of touch with the source of life, Christ, who puts us together in one piece, whose every breath and blood flow through us. He is the head and we are the body. 
We can grow up healthy in God only as he nourishes us. So then if with Christ you've put all these that pretentious and infantile religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? Don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think things that are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? Such things sound impressive if you said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and aesthetic, but they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. And then we hear the same message in another part in the New Testament, in Romans, in Galatians, in Corinthians. So Paul's teachings are similar, dealing time and time again with the same issues and things, but we are the same. We have struggles that keep raising their head and challenging us. Same, same, different. So as pastors and leaders, we go to the Holy Spirit and we say to him, you know, you're the one who leads and guides and corrects us. What do you want us to teach your people? What do you want us to say and bring in the word to them? And we can be looking for something to tickle the ears, something to make people feel good about themselves even entertaining, something new and exciting, a deeper theology, a brand new way of living and claiming freedom, creative ways for growing rapidly in God, getting that instant breakthrough, something different to try. But that's not what we're called to do. Do not add other things. Just preach Christ, the hope of glory. So how does that play out day to day in our day to day life? We need to come back constantly and consistently to our pathways of life. Prayer, Bible, community. And you're saying, but we've heard that before, Pastor Nicole. Don't you think you've preached that a couple of times this year? Well, you know what? You're going to hear it again because like the children of Israel, we need to be co- who need to be constantly reminded to love the Lord and obey him and his commandments, Just do this and things will fall into place. And in the New Testament, Jesus said, I give you a new covenant in Christ. Love one another as I have loved you, so people will know you're my disciples. If we do that, pretty much all the problems in the world are solved, right? If we treated each other with that sort of respect and people saw Christ in us. And then my favourite, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We put him first in his kingdom. Things fall into place. So we come back continually to prayer, Bible, and community where we find wise counsel. We keep coming back to it because we're not nailing it, right? <laughs> There's so many times we, we might be getting one area really going well and pumping along, but then something else is a struggle. And like the children of Israel and the early church, the Christian church, we may be not battling with being tempted by physical idols or bringing people into bondage trying to earn salvation through circumcision or adhering to stringent good um, food laws, but our focus and passion aren't always toward kingdom things. We face distractions of the world. I don't think there's ever been a time where there's been more distractions to to take up that place in our mind and all our time. We want to do our own thing and we want to do it our own way. We're trying to fill that empty void that we have with false gods, things that are idols made by human hands 
and not about eternity. Things taking the place of God himself. But I'm spending more time on my comfort and preferences and entertainment than I am on my time with God. And they're my modern day equivalent of our Old Testament idols. So modern day humans, we don't like to be told anything. We're not really very teachable. And we see this right back in the Garden of Eden where original sin comes in. Don't tell me what I can and can't do, can or can't look at. You can't touch this. So God just says, it's just this one tree, don't touch this. That's what we want to do, right? It's like when someone gives you um, the meal, the, the waitress comes and she says, don't touch it, it's hot. What do we do? Oh, yeah, it is. I just can't believe how many times people do that, including me. <laughs> and God said, don't touch that, don't eat that. But we come up with so many reasons and excuses, so many justifications and accusations why we can't obey God. So the serpent in the garden, he appealed to pride and smearing God's character. When you eat that, your eyes will be open. And he's coming against God and he's lying. The enemy is saying that our God is a withholding God. He's keeping something from us. God won't let you do that because he's a killjoy or he's hiding some secret knowledge from us because he wants to always be superior. Rather than God wants us to have the fullness of everything in life that he has created us for and he's protecting us from things that we don't need to be a part of. So the church at Colossae, the enemy was creating disunity, persuading them to try to find entry into the kingdom through other means beguiling them with mysticism and trying to lure them back into the legalism of circumcision and following rules and depriving themselves of certain foods. So read Colossians 2.20. Don't retreat back to being bullied by the standards and opinions of religion. For example, their strict requirements. You can't associate with that person or don't eat that, you can't touch that. These are the doctrines of men and corrupt customs that are worthless to help you spiritually. For though they may appear to possess the promise of wisdom in their submission to God through the deprivation of their physical bodies, it's actually nothing more than empty rules rooted in religious rituals. So the challenge of the Col that the Colossians were facing was others putting their religious convictions onto others. The Jews, now converted to Christianity, were holding onto the old covenant laws such as food restrictions and also old covenant requirements such as circumcision. So Paul counteracts this in Colossians by teaching them the basic foundations and reminding them to focus on, we looked at earlier, understanding grace, being filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing Jesus. And how do you do that? Through prayer, Bible and community. <laughs> so when we veer away from these pathways, these disciplines, that's when we become distracted and deceived. We look at other things and passions to fill that hunger that only God can satisfy. We follow tangents, as you saw back in Colossae, but what is happening now in our modern day, like weird teachings, conspiracy theories, arguing over what food diets we should be on. No, you should be on keto. No, you should do interval fasting. Everyone should refrain from sugar and carbs. No, carbs are good. Eggs are good. No, eggs are bad. Soy is good. No, now soy is bad. It's just so confusing. That's not what we need to be focusing on. 
Um, many years ago, we were in a church where one of the leaders had actually had some terrible eating habits and she knew every night what the discount places were for takeaway and their seven nights a week, their family ate takeaway. But it was really good because she had an awakening that fast food every night wasn't the best for her family or her finances, which is true. So she was really transformed in that area. But then she went into areas of legalism and she was telling all of us at church, you know, everyone should be vegans and vegetarians and you should never drink caffeine, it's terrible. And it got all legalistic. So she went from one extreme to the other extreme and it really put people off Christianity, to be honest. It was a negative one instead of what we call a plus one. And I just thought, well, that's just sacrilege. <laughs> so I love a great coffee. <laughs> but I don't feel like it has a stronghold on me. I have two a day at the most, but there's many times I've actually given it up for a few weeks at time for different reasons, but at the core of it was to make sure it didn't have a stronghold on me. I don't want to be saying I get my empowerment and my energy and my life source from coffee. Though it might feel like it a little bit at the time. My life source is Jesus. So it's just something, you just don't want to have anything having a hold on you that's replacing anything. So, you know, you might have a caffeine addiction with coffee, Coca-Cola V or, you know, bull drinks or whatever or similar. Then it's worth looking into that to make sure you're not beholden to that or to anything. And 1 Corinthians 6.12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So you say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So this is why we need the Holy Spirit and wise counsel. We've got to work out what we can do, what we can't do, what is going to be a stumbling block to others or what is, is not. And we all have different areas that are going to be different challenges in our world. And Paul was really wise in these areas. And he says in Romans, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. And he goes on in verse 5 onwards, they start arguing about which day do we worship on. We know whole religions have been established on this random theology, <laughs> whether to abstain from meat or not. There's been religions set up about that. And back in that day, this was a big issue, whether they should eat food that had been offered to idols. So Paul had no problem with this. He was amazing. He basically just said, grace, bless the food, and he was good for it. And um, he sacrificed with thanksgiving and ate with a free conscience. But he didn't want his freedom to be a stumbling block to others. So he says in verse 13, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. 
He was sensitive to others around him and this is really important. It may be something like consuming alcohol. Someone has a propensity or a background with alcoholism, it's best to avoid that if you're in their circles. Ask God if you have that freedom and then within that safe, have the safe checks and balances. It's very upsetting seeing Christians overindulging or binging with alcohol, um, you know, more than a couple of drinks over a long night, or they can't go a few days without a drink. That can be a sign of a problem. So they probably would be better not to even start. Again, get wise counsel, talk about that with someone and see where it stands for you. And verse 16 says, Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things... Keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubt is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. So for us, it's probably not circumcision or food offered to idols that we're going to have a battle with. (laughs) But as I said before, we do have our own idols, those things that we place above our love for God. So maybe for you it's not food consumption or alcohol. But it might be God challenging you in an area of your consumption of entertainment. It could be time spent gaming, watching TV, Netflix, YouTube or certain websites, sexual sin, books or movies that are not beneficial. They are feeding your fleshly nature, sin, instead of building you up in the faith. And sometimes we start out with a good thing, even a blessing from God, And that can be turned into a distraction or an idol. I've seen many times, um, you know, putting family or a spouse above God. Or we can become obsessed with finding a partner or a relationship and that is a distraction from God. It can be a house. God blesses us with a house and then we're spending all our time cleaning and renovating and and gardening. Those things are good, but what I'm saying is when we replace them with our time and our energy and thoughts are in those instead of things of God... Earthly possessions, hobbies, holidays, sport, if that takes priority over God. Our job can be taking our time and not spending time with God or in the church community. So entertainment, social media, gaming, escapism, they just give myself me time because I need self-care. And it becomes all about us trying to fill ourselves with stuff and our search for peace and joy where we just need a bit of actually soul care including being refreshed in the presence of God. I know how to care for my soul because I read the word of God and it tells me, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. In Romans 15, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know? The Bible encourages us to take a Sabbath, put physical and mental labor aside, a day of rest, 
not a day of rest from God, <laughs> but to prioritize the house of God, to focus on our spiritual man, be spiritually refreshed, refreshed, to use our gifts to build his kingdom and be encouraged once again in our pathways of life. Here we have in the house of God, prayer, Bible and community. Well, we can even be challenged if our thinking is a little loose or a little legalistic or a bit wonky in any area. And Pastor Eden mentioned in her preach the other week, we diminish and deprioritize Jesus' supernatural power in us and neglect to stay in him, in Christ, when we choose not to engage in things that are spiritually beneficial for us. But you know, we have an inner war going on. In Galatians, Paul describes it like this. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. I love how he describes that. Sometimes we're not prepared to make a sacrifice for deeper things in God. We're unaware of the devil's devices to pull us away from our new creation life and we can be consumed by distractions and temporary things or caught up in sin that may show up in pride and being unteachable, giving into emotions like anger, frustration, being moody, even having tantrums. It can be in being offended, leading into unforgiveness and bitterness, and bringing disunity, devil's favourite tool, and inevitably leaves us to isolating ourselves from the new creation of life, either by withdrawing physically or even emotionally and spiritually. So in all these areas, how do we avoid the pitfalls, become aware of the strategies the enemy has to take us out? How do we become overcomers? We get back to the basics. We know God's word, the Bible, because it will teach you what to do if you're tempted, if you're offended, if you carry unforgiveness, if you've got things that uh, have got a stronghold on you. And then we have prayer. It's powerful as we spend time with Jesus in his presence. Talk to him as a friend. Listen to his voice. Make your starting point the Lord's Prayer, if that helps you. There's everything in there that, need, that you need. It talks about, help me not to be tempted. Help me to forgive others. Help me to not be focusing on all my needs, but to trust you. It's a beautiful, powerful prayer, so that we're in the right posture before God. There's so much in that. And community where we have access to wise counsel. If we love Jesus, we want to be with him in his church, with his family, in his presence. And Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures ever, forevermore. But Nicole, you're not telling me anything new. I've heard this all before. Well, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> because as humans and as Christians, followers of Christ, we need to be continually reminded to stick to the pathways he's leading us on. We don't want to be taken off course, distracted, wasting time on things that shouldn't be a distraction to us. Not to make up our own strategies or do it on our own. Not to add new hurdles to jump over or to earn our salvation by ticking boxes off a man-made list, but loving God and serving others because we are passionately in love with Jesus and we want others to experience that too. And that's when we experience true freedom in Christ, love, joy and peace, 
and the other fruits of the Holy Spirit. We can't give you a miraculous quick fix to getting the fruits of the Spirit because fruits take a while to grow. They need to be constantly fed. So we want to have that life to the full that Jesus promised us. So I want to finish with these words from Paul to another church who was struggling with the same battles as the Corinthians and the Colossians and the Romans and us. This is to Galatians. In, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 13, it says, Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom in the Holy Spirit. But don't view this wonderful freedom as an opportunity to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Freedom means that we become so completely free of self-indulgence that we become servants of one another, expressing love in all that we do. For love completes the laws of God. All of the law can be summarized in one grand statement. We know Jesus said this. Demonstrate love to your neighbor, even as you care and love yourself. But if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. As you yield free, excuse me, freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you're brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law but soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favoured, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessing of others, murder, uncontrolled addictions, wild parties and all other similar behaviour. That pretty much sums up everything, doesn't it? <laughs> it's incredible. Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God? But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Who wants some of this? Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Is that how you want to live your life? Is that what you want in your life? You want that fulfillment? Yeah, me too. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here today. Your presence is here and in your presence we can step into fullness of joy. Lead and guide us today as we listen to you whisper to us showing us what areas in our life have become idols, replacing our relationship with Jesus himself. If there's any sin, any of these areas we've just read about, any unforgiveness or offence, we need to hand them over to you, or maybe areas of control and legalism that have crept in, or areas of indulgence or entertainment you want us to surrender again to you. Just let us know now, whisper to us what it is. Let your word challenge us, that it be that sword that would cut through and get to what's really going on. 
let him speak to you in this place? What is he saying to you? What is the challenge that he's putting out to you in this area? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your voice speaking to us today. I pray that in the hours, days and weeks ahead that we come back to you and we ask you to help us and give us victory in these areas, that you lead us and guide us to who to speak to or what to do, what areas of the Bible to be reading and bringing us into that freedom. Whatever it is, those things that have been put as an idol in our heart above you will be taken down and you will take your rightful place that you are king of kings that you are lord of lords that you are our first love that we have that passion and love for you and we come back to passionately loving you and wanting to be with you and be in your presence and to live the life that you've called us worthy of we pray now in jesus name if the band could just come that would be great we're going to have a time of communion in a minute. I just want to read the words of this song that we're going to sing. Just close your eyes as I read them to you. The passion of our Saviour, the mercy of our God, the cross that leaves no question of the measure of his love. Our chains are gone, our debt is paid. The cross has overthrown the grave. For Jesus' blood that sets us free means death to death and life for me. The innocent judge guilty, while the guilty one walks free. That's what Jesus did for us. Took our guilt and our shame and our sin. Death would be his portion and our portion because of that is liberty. I give my whole life to honour this love by the lamb who was slain unforgiven. The sinner's saviour, crown him forever. For the lamb who was slain, he is risen. So if you haven't made that decision to step out and trust God with your life, you can do that today. Surrender and let him take control. He loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross bearing your sins, the punishment you deserve so that you could be right with God and have a relationship with him. He then raised Jesus from the dead three days later. And to honour that sacrifice, that sacrifice on the cross, that forgiveness of sins what can we do we can give our whole life to him so if you'd like to give your life to him today or come back to him he is waiting with open arms so when i count to three pop your hand up so i can see it and i'll know that you want to make that decision today then we're all together going to pray a prayer if that's you you're far from god and want to be with him put him first in your life again just pop your hand up one two three awesome thank you put your hand down thank you we're just going to pray this prayer i'm just going to pray this prayer over you pray it in your heart as i as i pray it father god thank you for loving me the way you do for so long i've been wandering around far from you living my life my own way please forgive me today i respond to your spirit who is leading me home by giving you my life Today I receive what Jesus did for me on the cross and receive the free gift of salvation. Be the Lord of my life. 
Thank you for setting me free. I'm ready to follow you and I trust that you know the way. Amen. If you're one of the people that prayed that for the first time or what felt like the real time, that is a great decision, the best thing that you can do. And I'd love to chat with you afterwards and help you along with your spiritual journey. Um, We're just coming to a time of communion now, so if you could all stand. The ushers are going to come and hand out your communion. Just a reminder, open the little piece of paper with the bread first (laughs) and then, then the wine. And we're going to sing and the worship team are going to lead us in this beautiful worship song. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more of our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, head to c3hh.com.au forward slash give.